0: And welcome to the New City Church podcast. I'm Benjamin Comanapalli, Jr., pastor of New City Church, Hyderabad. This is where you will hear messages preached at our church. It's my prayer that the incorruptible seed of God's word will strengthen you, build you, and help you receive the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Enjoy the word and be blessed. All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, please. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55. We're still in the series called Knowing God. Everyone say Knowing God. Come on, everyone say Knowing God. All right, we're in the series of Knowing God, and we started off this year saying that this is the year of... This is the year of knowing God, all right? And uh, today, again, just because of time, I'm not going to do much of a recap, but we're going to pick up in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55 and verse 8. We've talked about, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the various ways in which we begin to know God. And we said one of the primary ways by which we begin to know God is through His Word. Everyone say His Word. And even when it comes to his word, there are several things that we must begin to understand regarding who God is. Because if you don't, the first thing that we said is, we must understand the nature and character of God. Because if we don't understand the nature and character of God, you will begin to assume certain things about God, maybe based on tradition, and sometimes maybe based on what you are currently even being taught, but it is not necessarily something that is based on the word of God. And therefore, we must constantly examine and re-examine ourselves regarding what, uh, the, the, regarding our thought patterns regarding the nature and character of God. See, only when you know the nature and character of somebody do you, can you really say that you truly know that person. Until you know the nature and character of that person, you still don't know that person. Maybe you know about the person, like many people uh, um, in your life and in my life. There are several people in my life that I simply know about, but I don't know them intimately But because I still don't know their nature or character. So there are certain people in my life that... I can say, I truly know that individual. Why? Because I've journeyed along with them and I know their nature, I know their character and therefore I can say, I truly know know that individual. But there are many more people in my life that I can say, I only know them from afar. I truly do not know them for who they are. So even when it comes to God, we, we cannot be people who simply say, I know about God, but we must get to the place where we say, I truly know God for myself. Everyone say, myself. right? You must know God for yourself. Not your spouse knowing God, not your parents knowing God, not your children knowing God, but you, not even your pastor knowing God for you. You must know God for yourself. You must know God for yourself. And so the first thing that we said was that we must understand the nature of God. Last week, we spent some time talking about the nature of God. How many of you were helped by last week? All right. Okay. That's good. So uh, it, it, sometimes it needs a mind renewal because the things that we were taught were not necessarily based on uh, the truth of the word of God, but certain things that we were taught and certain things that we began to believe were not based on the word, but based on somebody's experience at times, and sometimes based on tradition uh, that was carried on from generation to generation. Now, the second thing that we also must understand in the process of knowing God are the ways of God. Everyone say the ways of God. Okay. Now, when we talk about the ways of God, fundamentally we must understand that the ways of God are different from the ways of man. Right? There, are, there is a certain way in which we do things in our life. However, God does not necessarily do things the same way. In the book of Isaiah chapter 55 and starting from verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. All right? He says, your ways are not my ways. Verse 9 says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here, fundamentally, And and on a foundational level, we understand that our ways and God's ways are not the same. And we also understand that when we begin to compare our ways and God's ways, it's God's ways that are higher than man's ways. All right. So firstly, we understand that there is a difference. Secondly, we understand that when we in comparison, God's ways are always. Come on, everyone say higher. Higher. God's ways are always higher than man's ways. In other, another way of saying it is, God's ways are always better. Everyone say better. Okay, God's ways are always going to be better than man's ways. So, by definition, what we must understand is if my way is not uh, uh, you know, as good as God's way, and if God's way is much better than my way, then every wise person should come to the conclusion that says, I better do things God's way. Are you understanding that? Now, when we're talking about a way, a path, uh, we're always, you know, especially in the day and age that we live in, we're always depending on some kind of app to give us directions to show us the way to reach a certain destination. And a lot of times, even in the apps that we use, they will give you multiple ways of getting there to that location. It'll say, based on the traffic, this will be a faster route, or based on the distance, this will be a faster route. It'll give you multiple options regarding the destination or the de- uh, a place that you're trying to reach. Now, once you understand that, then you say, okay, I was thinking about going this way, but based on the information now I, that I have now, then you say, I will choose to go the other way. So even with our lives, every one of us are going to a certain destiny and a destination in our lives. So we must ask ourselves, on the way to the destiny and destination that we are headed to, are you going there based on your ways or are you going there based on your path or are you going to that destination based on god's way or god's path which is the better way are you understanding that now also understand that even though god's ways are higher god's ways are better this does not mean just because they are higher does not mean we cannot uh, um, uh, receive the ways of God in our life. The next couple of verses, in verse 10, for example, he says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and, may, and make it bring forth and bud, that is, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that. Goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. In other words, by the grace of God and through His Word, we have access to the ways of God. We have access to those higher ways. We have access to those better ways. So even though they are higher, just as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth, so also does the word of God come down and waters our lives. So whatever was on the higher realms or higher places now comes down to your level. Hallelujah. All right. That happens by the grace of God and by his word. Amen. Go with me to Psalm chapter 25, please. Psalms chapter 25 and verse 4. He says, show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Now, if David is saying, show me your ways, that means we cannot assume that we already have seen the ways. Are you understanding that? We cannot assume that the path that you are on or the way that you are living your life or the way that you are operating in your life is not necessarily the ways of God. So you must uh, uh, understand and, 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 and uh, um, come to the realization that you must be in a place of receiving the ways of God in your life. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16 says this. It says, uh, Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths, where the good way, everyone say good way, where the good way is, and walk in it. So he says, ask for it, and then walk in it. Ask for the way, and then walk in the way. It's not enough just to know the ways of God. It is important to walk in the ways of God. Now, if you are taking notes, just write this down. The ways of God always lead to a blessed destination. The ways of God always, and underline that word always, the ways of God always lead to a blessed destination. Psalm 103 and verse 7. He says, He made his ways, sorry, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. He made his ways known to Moses but the acts to the children of Israel. Now, God made his ways known to Moses. Now, the question is, if God was the one who was making his ways known to Moses, why did he not do the same with the rest of the nation of Israel? That's the question. And, and the realization or the answer to that is because Moses was the only one who was interested in knowing God. Are you understanding that? It's not that he was interested in simply knowing the ways of God. He was interested in knowing God. And because he was interested in knowing God, now God began to reveal his ways to Moses. So now I hope you are beginning to uh, put together the, the, the relationship of knowing God that has, uh, uh, you know, the relationship between knowing God and knowing the ways of God if you're not a person that has a desire to know God or you're if you're not on the track of trying to know God in a deeper way in a in a way that you've never known him before then you will not get to the place of knowing the ways of God the way you're supposed to know them in your life again the key to knowing the ways of God is to know God the key to knowing the ways of God is knowing God is knowing God. The question is this, do we simply want his acts, or do we want to know him and his acts follow in our lives? Do we simply want to know his acts? The nation of Israel, the children of Israel, were satisfied with simply knowing the acts of God. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is, the danger of only knowing the acts of God is that you will be led astray in life. The danger of knowing only the acts of God is that you can be led astray in life. Now, when you look at it on a very practical basis, when we are looking for certain acts from God, when we're looking for certain miracles from God, when we're looking for certain breakthroughs from God, here, 99% of the time, the breakthroughs that people are believing for, the acts that people want to see in their life are, are based on the physical world, are based on the earthly necessities, are based in the material world, right? Now, if they're based in the material world, that means there is a possibility and a provision where even the devil can provide for the very things that you're believing and asking for. you understanding that if you are only believing for certain acts in your life that can that that relate to this physical world alone then there is a possibility that even the devil can provide you with the very things that you are desiring for see the devil can give you a job sure the devil can provide you with finances what, what, what do you think the devil was tempting Jesus with? Everything that the devil was tempting Jesus with had to deal with this sense world. It had to deal with the materialistic world. So he, everything, so he said, I can give you these things. Why? Because he was the prince of the air, air, the Bible says. And so everything, if the only thing that we're believing for are things that have to deal with the materialistic world that we are living in. And if it is things that the devil can give, that means there is a possibility that the devil can give you those very things that you are believing for as well. Now you might say, but pastor, why would the devil give me something that I'm asking God for? Because at times, if you're only interested in knowing the acts of God instead of knowing God or knowing the ways of God, then what's going to happen is because you're only interested in the act, you will get desperate in trying to get it to happen in your life by any means necessary. See, for example, in the life of of the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was hell-bent, so to speak, about having a king. And God did not want them to have a king at that point. And what happened at the very end? God gave them a king. Not because it was his will, but because they kept pestering and saying, we want a king. Why? Because they began to compare their life with, with, with the neighboring nations. And because every other nation had a king, they said, we want a king as well. And so finally, what happened? God gave them a king. That was not God's will. However, the king was given. Now, if you are believing and asking God for certain things that are not necessarily God's will for your life, then the devil can quickly answer certain things and bring certain things in your life. Why? Because that very act, that very thing that came into your life will be the very reason you walk away from God or you will be led astray. Are you understanding that? What happened with the nation of Israel? Every single, when they, they were delivered, they were slaves and they were delivered. All this money, all this wealth comes into their life and what do they do? They build the golden calf. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, this is what happens even in our lives. You know, you you keep praying for the job, the job, the job, the job, and you get the job, and you get the job, and now you don't have time for God. You're saying, I need to get married, 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 married. You finally get married, and now you can't come to church. Children, children, children. You get the children, and now no, no, no time for God, no time for prayer, no time for anything else when it comes to the things of God. Am I making sense? Okay, uh, business, business, I need to start a business, I need to start a business. All right, and by the grace of God, you start a business. And now you can't even show up to church, why? Because you're very busy on Sundays. So, you know, business is heavy, pastor, and so even on Sundays, I have to go and take care of all the work. I'm not, you you understand, I'm just giving you examples. And what happens is, when we are only interested in in knowing the acts of God, and not knowing God for himself, the, the, the danger is that you can be led astray. Now, write this down if you're taking notes. Here is one of the keys that you must uh, uh, begin to develop. Desire for things that the devil can't give you. Begin to have desire for things that the devil can't give you. And just do this as an experiment for yourself. Make a list of all the things that you're desiring for in your life don't have to do it right now make a list of all the things that you are desiring for in your life you know the reality the reality is majority of Christians the things that they're desiring for can be given by the devil true true most of the things that the Christians are desiring for can be given by the devil in fact Most of the things that Christians are desiring for can be given by certain individuals. You just don't know the right person. You just don't have the right contact. There are people in this world that can take care of every single desire that you have right now. So the question is this How is it that we only have desires? That can be taken care of by a human being or the devil. Now you need to meditate on everything that I say this morning. It will get heavier in a few minutes. See knowing the ways of God is not a casual thing. Knowing God is not a casual thing. It will require something of you. And I believe I said this even on on New Year's Eve. If you're serious about the promise of knowing God, it will require something of you. It will require something of you. You cannot continue to do what you are always doing and, and, and think that magically, somehow you're going to know God in a greater and more intimate way than you've ever known Him before. So desire for things that, that the devil cannot give you. And, and, and why is that? Because if the devil can't give you those things, you can't be led astray by the devil. You can't be led astray by the devil. Believe for things and desire for things that the devil can't give you. Are you understanding that? A couple of examples of things that the devil can't give you. The devil can't give you the grace to overcome sin and temptation. The devil can't give you the grace to be faithful in running the race that God has for you. The devil can't give you more of the wisdom of God to live a godly and a blessed life. The devil can't do that. He doesn't, have, he doesn't possess the ability to give you those things. Right? Good success. Not success, but good success. Remember Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? He talks about meditating on his word day and night, and then he says, you will make your way prosperous and have What success? Good success. If there is such a thing as good success, that means there is such a thing as bad success. What is bad success? Any kind of earthly success that moves you away from the things of God, that's bad success. I don't care what kind of increase you got, but if it moves you away from the things of God, that's bad for you. That's bad. for. I don't care how much more money you are making this year than you made last year. But if, you are, if that is taking you away from the things of God, that's bad success. That's not good success. So when you're, the, the devil can't give you good success. The only kind of success the devil can give you is earthly success, which is, the, which, is, which is success in the eyes of the world that is moving you away from the things of God and not drawing you closer to the things of God. Are you understanding this? All right, let me give you an example of doing things man's way versus God's way. Go to Exodus chapter 2 quickly. Exodus chapter 2, and let's pick up in verse 11. Here it says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked into their business. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Verse 13. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to uh, the one who who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? do you intend to kill me as you killed the egyptian so moses feared and said surely this thing is known when pharaoh heard of this matter he he sought to kill moses but moses fled from the face of pharaoh and dwelt in the land of midian and sat down by the well now everything that moses did right here this was moses doing it his way this was moses doing it his way now He had the right intentions. Doesn't matter. Just like, you you know, I might have the the right intentions of of wanting to uh, get in my car and driving towards Delhi today. But if I take the wrong way, if I start traveling south, I don't care how much good intention I have regarding reaching Delhi. I can keep driving and driving and driving and driving. I will never reach Delhi. You know why? Because I took the wrong way. Are you understanding that? So here, Moses did try to do it his own way. He just thought about the present moment and not about the big plan that God had in mind for the nation of Israel. He just thought about that present moment. He acted on impulse. And look at verse 14. He says, uh, uh, the, the man who was fighting with the other companion, he says, who made you the prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? So what happened? His actions did not produce the right results. Moses thought, I'll kill this guy and I'll solve the problem for my nation, for my people. And what happened? He did not produce the results that he was hoping for. Now, he had the right intentions and he took a certain action, but it did not produce the right results. In other words, he did not reach the right destination. Are you understanding that? Now, go with me to chapter 3 quickly. Exodus chapter 3. And starting from verse 1. He says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, um, and he led the flock, to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord, and by the way, when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, that's talking about Jesus, okay, and uh, uh, there especially you see the angel being capitalized, the reason it's being capitalized is because it's talking about Jesus, okay, the angel of the Lord, or Jesus, appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush, so he looked, and behold, and the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called, him to, called, God called to him and said in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he continues to talk to him, and many of you know the story, that that's where he begins to receive the instructions of what he's now supposed to do. So first time he does it his own way, and it leads to destruction, or it leads to uh, uh, the destruction of a, of a man, number one, and then his own life, his, the, 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 the way that he took led to his own destruction, at least temporarily. Why? Because now 40 years are now spent on the backside of the desert. And after 40 years, now, with this encounter, with everything that is taking place, now he has to go back. Now he's getting on God's way. Are you understanding that? Now, a couple of things that uh, that I want us to understand here. The differences between man's ways and God's way. Number one, man's ways always focus on the immediate. You're always thinking about the immediate. How do I solve this problem? How do I solve? You're not saying, you're not thinking about your life, you know, in the long term. You're not thinking long term. You're not thinking destiny. You're not thinking destination. You're not thinking God's purpose for my life. You're not thinking God's will for my life. You're not thinking God's plan for my life. You're simply thinking, oh, I'm in trouble right now. I need a solution right now. Whatever's going to solve the problem immediately, right now. That's what, I'm, that's what I want. Right, You're not thinking, so, so when you're looking for a job, when you're thinking about your career, you're only thinking, what's going to make me the most money right now? You're not thinking about, you're not asking the question, what is God's plan for my life? It, it's, it's based on God's plan. Does that mean for the next three years, for the next five years, for the next ten years, maybe I need to take a job that, that uh, uh, gives me less money, but I'll get on the right path? And then after 10 years, that's when the supernatural multiplication begins to come into my life. And yes, it may be 10 years. Yes, it may be 5 years. Yes, it may be 3 years. But I know even though I may be struggling for 3 years or 5 years or 10 years or it may not be as much as I would like for it to be, I know I'm in the right path. Are you understanding that? So what happens is we don't ask those questions. We try to do it our way and we say, oh, you know, they have a king, so I need a king. He has a car, so I need to have a car. She has a bike, I need a bike. She's already married, I need to get married. She has a good job, I need a good job. They started a business, I need to have a business. They got into a new apartment, I need to get into a new apartment. Making sense? So what happens is you're not thinking on the long run. But when it comes to the things of God, how does God's way manifest? Focus is on the big picture. The focus is always on the big picture. The focus is regarding not which turn you're going to take right now. The focus is about making sure that by the end of your life, you get to the right destination. That by the end of your life, you reach the destiny that God has for you. The God's focus for Moses was not about taking care of that small fight that day. It was not, God was not interested in making sure that Moses killed that one soldier who was mistreating the, the, uh, one of the slaves. That was not God's focus. What was God's focus? He was not interested in delivering one man from pain. He was interested in delivering the entire nation from their pain. So he was thinking long term. He had the big picture in mind. But when we lose sight of God's ways, what do we try to do? We always try to fix things in the now. Always trying to fix things in the now. And sometimes when you do things God's way, you won't be able to fix things in the now immediately. But you will know that you are on the right path to fixing things permanently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Permanently. See, they never went back into slavery. See, what, what, what did uh, Moses, or with all the good intentions, with all the actions, what happened? Nothing changed. Nothing changed. He might have felt good on that particular day. He felt good like he did something good, but how, how long did that feeling last? It only lasted until the other guy says, who made you a prince? Are you going to kill me the same way you killed the other person? Okay, all the joy is gone. Now he's in fear. He's fearing for his own life and now he has to run away from Pharaoh. Are you understanding this? All right, the second difference. Man's ways are based on reasoning. Are based on reasoning. And where does this reasoning come from? The reasoning comes from this desire to solve the immediate issue. The desire to solve the immediate issue. Oh, I'm in problem here, I need the money, so let me just solve this problem. And then you come up with the reason for why you're making that decision. Right? You know you're getting into the wrong relationship, but you'll have a reason for that. You know you're making the wrong purchase, but you'll have a reason for that. You know you don't have enough money to purchase those clothes. You know you don't have the right money to to buy that car, to buy that house, to buy that bike. And it's not the time. You need to wait another six months. You need to wait another one year or whatever the case may be. But you're going to purchase. Why? Because you have a reason. And what's the reason? You need to solve this issue immediately. And you're willing to do it your own way. Are you understanding that? All right. Now, what about God's way? The God's way is always based on faith everyone say faith it's not based on reasoning it's based on faith it's based on believing in him it's based it's always going to be based on trusting in him always going to be based on believing in him and trusting in him and thirdly man's ways it's based on acting on impulse or emotion impulse or emotion you make decisions without even consulting god you make decisions without consulting uh, uh, other wise people in your life. It's immediate. It's impulsive. You know, I felt I needed to do this, so I just did it. But when it comes to the things of God, God can remind you about something ten times and you still don't do it. So, but when it comes to you, you make quick decisions. You're impulsive and it's based on emotion. Everyone say emotion. Now, when it comes to God's way, it's, it's acting on divine command or the word. Divine command or the word of God. Divine command or the word of God. See, the second time Moses began to work it out, he did it God's way. Based on what? Based on the divine command of God. Right? He got the instruction from God. He, he felt like he can do it. But now, he got a specific instruction. He was told where to go. He was told what to say. He was told what to do. And now, he began to act out on it. And as he began to act out on it, and as he began to do things God's way, things that the world has never seen before, and has never seen since then, began to take place in and through the life of Moses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. In the, in the few minutes that we have, let me talk to you about some of the ways of God some of the ways of God, some of the ways of God, all right, number one, faith, faith, the way of faith, the way of faith is the way of God, the way of faith is the way of God, Genesis chapter 12, starting from verse 1, all right, it says, uh, now the Lord said, sorry, yeah. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Alright, everyone look up please. Now, if you go back to verse um, 12. Sorry, verse 1 in chapter 12. The very first verse says, the Lord said to Abram, this is the first thing that God is ever speaking to Abram. And the very first thing he says is, get out. Get out from where? Get out from everything that you've ever known in the last 75 years of your life. He says, get out of your country and then get out of your family and your father's house. And then he says, to the land, everyone say, I will. So he says, to the land, I will show you. So he hasn't shown him yet. Next verse. He says, I will. Everyone say, I will. I will make you a great nation. I, come on, I, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And then the next verse also talks about what God will do. Now, every one of you know this. I will meaning is that past, present, or future. Future. Now, God, you're talking to this man for the first time. And the very first instruction that you give him is to get out? what, What are you expecting? What are you expecting this man to do? Leave everything that he's ever known for 75 years of his life. He says, get out. Get out of your country. Get out of your father's house. Get rid of everything that you've ever known. And then he says, and I will make you. Which means what? Which means he hadn't shown him where he's going. And he hadn't blessed this man yet. Go to verse 4. And what does it say? So Abraham, or Abram, as the Lord had, wait a minute. You didn't show the destination. You didn't bless this man. You didn't change anything in his life. And what you're demanding and what you're expecting from him is that he leaves everything behind. What are you expecting, God? The answer is faith. Oh, God, c- come on, come on, pastor. Like, yeah, if, if I just have little assurance from God, then I will definitely take the step. I just need a little bit of surety. If I have a little bit of surety from God, then yes, I will take that step. And we think we're waiting on God. No, nope. God's waiting on you. Why? Because no surety is going to show up. The ways of God are not the ways of man. His ways are, come on, his ways are higher. You keep saying, "Look, no, I just need a little bit of proof." And he says, "Yeah, I need a little bit of faith too." And if you're saying I can wait, God says, "Hey, I have more time than you. I can wait too. We can play this game. I can wait all day long, and His day is a thousand years." The Bible says. See, the way of faith. See, a lot of times, again, as much as I teach on faith and do all of this, sometimes we still don't get faith. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Which means what? Which means without evidence you step out. Because he said so. Because he said so. Because he said so. So God says, leave everything that you know, and I will make you A, B, and C. I will make your name great. I will bless you. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In other words, there is nothing, nobody can put their finger on you, Abram. Nobody can touch you. I'll make sure to that. Nobody can even open their mouth and pronounce a curse on you. That's how much I'll protect you. You never will have to stretch your hand to ask somebody for anything, and you will never have to point your finger to talk to anybody the wrong way. Abram, I've got your back. I've got your life. But leave everything that you know. Come and follow me. That was a choice he had to make that day. In Abraham, the Bible says, Abraham departed as the Lord instructed him to do. He's the father of our faith. I pray that we grow into that kind of faith. Where God tells us something and we simply do it. Not because of where we are. Not because of what we have. Now, Again, that's why faith to faith and from glory to glory. You're always growing and increasing. A couple of days ago, God told me to give a particular ministry a particular amount of money. Now, this is beyond what me and my wife decided to give into the work of the ministry. And I was like, when God told me, like, I mean, normally I don't struggle. Like, I struggled. I was like, where should I give this money from? I don't even have it right now. And for about two to three days, I was going back and forth with God. Like, I was just like, like, I don't even have it right now. Like, how do I even say yes? I don't even, like, literally, I don't have it, God. It's not like I have it and I'm not, I don't have it right now. I haven't even talked to this pastor in a long time. God put him on my heart. God, God said, like, this is what I want you to sow. And then it took me two, three days, but then I came to the realization. I said, okay, God, this is stupid. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting your time. Here's the deal. You bring it into my life, it will be released to him. You bring it into my life, it will be released to him. Why? God does not need me to produce the money. God simply needs me to say yes to his instruction. Are you understanding that? He provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So every single time God gives you an instruction, it's an invitation to walk by faith. With him it's an invitation to walking in the ways of faith and knowing the ways of God in our life if you understand that say amen all right so he didn't say so Abraham did not say if you tell me the cost if you show me the destination if you show me what kind of blessing you will bless me with then I will follow he simply began to follow and as he began to follow as he began to walk by faith what happened everything that God had promised for him began to manifest and take place in his life amen See that's why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says without faith it is impossible to please God. That means in order for you to know God one of the most important things that you must understand is you must live the way of faith, the lifestyle of faith. Why? Because that's one of the ways of God that we must understand. Amen. All right, number 2, let's move on quickly. The next thing is humility. Humility. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. It says always be humble and gentle how many how how much of the time how much of the time always means it means always that means you don't get any excuses that means it's not like oh i just had a bad day no he says always be humble and gentle that means that's part of our calling philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says and being found in appearance as a man he talking about jesus he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death on the cross now if Jesus, the greatest example that we have, if he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross, what, what makes us think that we're excused from walking in humility? Humility is the way of the Lord. Humility are, is part of the ways of God. Humbling yourself in life. Humbling yourself under the authority. Humbling yourself one to another in your life, whoever it is, wherever you're working, whatever, uh, wherever you are living, the family that you belong to, whatever. Making sure that you're living a life of humility. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 says this. He says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Who is doing the exalting? God does the exalting. God does the exalting. Well, see, here is one of the things. When you decide to walk in the ways of God, when you surrender your life to him, God takes responsibility for the consequences and the results in your life. Are you understanding that? When you humble yourself, and when you begin to walk in the ways of God, when you surrender yourself, God begins to take responsibility for the results, the consequences, and the destination for your life. You no longer have to worry about your life. That's why the Bible says, it's only when you lose this life that you truly gain your life. Lose this life meaning not just throwing it out into the trash can. Losing your life is when you lose yourself to the things of God. That's when you find life. Why? Because he takes control of your life. He now becomes responsible for your life. Amen? All right. Go with me. Uh, Let me... uh, Okay. Let me do this one last thing and before we close, all right? The third thing, submission. 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 It's the way of God. Submission. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. Many of you know this. When it comes to marital relationships, how many married people do I have in this place? All right, okay. For all the married people, how many single people that want to be married in this place? All right, okay. For all of you did not want to raise your hands, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, but uh, we'll pray for you as well. All right, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, wives, submit. Everyone say submit. All the ladies say submit. All right, wives, submit your, uh, your, to your own husband. To your own. You don't have to submit to every husband, okay? To your own husband. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the, as to the, as to the, not as to a man. Not as to a man. Not based on what culture says. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord. Now, this does not mean by any means. Now, again, this talks about submitting ourselves. Submitting yourself to your husband as we submit ourselves to Christ, who is the head. We're submitting. That's the way in which we submit ourselves. That doesn't make you any inferior. See, we're made in the image and likeness of God. We are, today, we are as righteous as Jesus is. Do you understand I have not not a single bit of inferiority in my righteousness than what Jesus has today? I am equally as righteous as Jesus is. But yet I'm submitted to Jesus. Are you understanding that? Right? I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I'm not inferior. However, I am still submitted to him. I'm made in his image and likeness. I'm a joint heir. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I have been given the name that is above every name that I can use. I've been given the right and the authority of Jesus on this planet. And yet, I am submitted to him. Are you understanding that? So even in the case of uh, of a marital relationship, the, the wife does not become somebody that is inferior. But we understand that they're equal, but then yet, even in their equality, there is the aspect and the, uh, the relationship of submitting to the husband. If you understand that, say amen. All right? And so once we also understand, why are we submitted to Christ? Because everything Christ does for us is for our good. Everything Christ does for us is for our good. Now, some of, let me just say this, you know, and, and some, some of the women might say, but pastor, uh, 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 everything that my husband does is not necessarily for my good. It's actually for our worse and things like that. For that, we'll have a separate conference. But uh, for, for, for all the single women, this is why you need to pay attention to who you, get, who you decide to marry. You understand that? This is why. You must be able to marry somebody that you will have no problem submitting to. It's quiet. If you're always struggling to submit to your husband, two issues. One, either you're the problem, you're just dealing with a lot of pride, and uh, uh, um, your mind is contaminated with the culture and everything else and therefore you're struggling, you, you, you don't have humility, but you're dealing with pride, or you've made a terrible decision, and then now you're suffering the consequences of that. Are you understanding that? You cannot say you married the person that God intended, the way God wants you to marry, and then say, I struggle with submitting to my husband. If you understand that, say amen. No, but at the same time, now let me talk to all the men. This does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that you get to do whatever you want to do. Listen, all the husbands, one day you will stand before God and you will have to give an account of how you treated his daughter. Make sense? You will stand before God and give an account to how you treated his his daughter so this is by no means a way to just doing whatever you want to do in your life and saying oh I'm a man I get to do whatever oh keep trying that and see what happens keep trying that and see what happens why because the place of authority that has been given to you comes as a place of responsibility everyone say responsibility The previous verse, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord. So we we must understand, even husbands, we are called to live a life of submission. Number one, submitted to God and then submitted to the people that God places in our life. You cannot be a husband that demands, uh, uh, first of all, you don't demand submission from anybody. Right? You can't demand submission out of your wife. You can't demand submission out of anybody. But we understand that as a husband, if you want to live the life that God has called you to live in the way God designed for it to live, number one, you must live a life that is submitted to God. And then be submitted to the people that God places in your life. As a result of you being under authority and being under submission, now your wife will have no problems coming under your authority and under your submission. Are you understanding that? So, understand. And then he says, submitting one uh, to one another in the what? Fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord. That means the only people that, that go against submission are the people who don't walk in the fear of God. Who don't walk in the fear of God. Why? Because submission is the way of God and you are rebelling against that way. That means you've got no fear of God. You've got no reverence. You've got no, no, no respect for the things of God. And therefore, you're rebellious and you're rebelling against the aspect of submission in your life. If you understand that, say amen. All right, last verse, and we'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to them. Or sorry, to you. To you. All right? Now, a genuine question that I want every one of you to ask yourself and write this question down who is my spiritual leader and am I truly submitted who is my spiritual leader and am I truly submitted who is my spiritual leader and am I truly submitted now the book of Hebrews is written to the Christians Now he was writing to Christians and if he's talking about this and he's saying specifically he says obey your leaders and submit to them. This means that this is an instruction from God. Now there are a lot of Christians all around the world that come to church or attend church occasionally or casually or once in a while and sometimes even regularly. But they are not obedient to leaders or they're not under uh, submission to the leaders. Now here's the thing. He says that at the end of the day it is of no advantage to you if you are not obedient and submitted It's of no advantage to you just like a wife who is always rebellious to her husband it's of no advantage to the woman to the wife if she is constantly rebelling to the husband in the same way he says for every christian if you do not know who your spiritual authority is or who your spiritual leader is. And number two, if you're not obedient and submitted to them, then you are missing out on certain advantages that are supposed to be experienced in your life. Does that make sense? So that question must be answered by you individually. You don't have to answer it right now. But make sure that you answer it over the next couple of days. Definitely make sure you answer it before you come again next Sunday. Who is your spiritual leader? Who is your spiritual authority? And are you genuinely submitted? Are you obedient to what they say? Put that verse on the screen again. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are doing what? for they're doing what keeping watch over your souls so here's the question for those who say i don't know who my spiritual leader is i don't know who my spiritual authority is that means somebody that should be watching over your soul is not doing it or you don't have that person in your life now that's not a good place to be that may be the reason you're going through certain things that you're going through You're having certain issues in your life that you're having because you don't have that person in your life. And then he says, as those who will give an account, that means every spiritual leader that God calls, they are called and one day they will have to give an account. See, one day when I stand before God, I will have to give an account regarding how faithful I was in running the race that God has called me to run. Then I will have to give an account Because I'm a pastor, I will have to give an account to about every person that God has given unto me and who came under my authority and who submitted themselves to me or my leadership. Then I will have to give an account to how I led my wife and how I took care of my wife. And then I will have to give an account for the family and everything else. So when, as the places of leadership increases in your life, it's not something that you do whatever you want. It's just your responsibility before God is increasing. So here he says, as they have to give an account, and then he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. In other words when your spiritual authority thinks about you, when your spiritual authority, or when you come into their mind, does that bring joy? Are they happy to see your progress? See, when Paul was writing to Timothy, when Paul was writing to the churches, he would mention certain people and he'd say, I'm so happy regarding your progress. In other words, he was their spiritual father. He was the spiritual authority. And certain people, he would say, Man, I am so happy. I'm so happy with, God, what, with what God is doing in your life. I'm so happy with the way you are walking before God. It gives me great joy. It's an honor to lead you. It's an honor to shepherd you, he would say. But then he would say, There are others. He would say, They're being a complete pain. They're being a complete pain. In other words, he's saying, He's groaning when he talks about them. So Yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, I see them from time to time. Yeah, I hear about them. Yeah, I see them in church. They come. But they're not obedient. They don't do what is needed. They do things their own way. They never show up to the things. They never do what is asked. They always make their own decisions, do whatever they want. They never truly submit What's happening? He is groaning about certain people. So what's happening? These are individuals that are in the church, but they do not know the ways of God for their life. Are you understanding that? see when you know the ways of god what is happening when you say okay now i know that submission is the way of god okay i will make a decision i will be obedient and i will submit when you say that what is happening is you are getting your train on the right track you're getting in the right way and when you get on the right way here is the good thing that you can know you can be sure about the fact that you will reach the right destination why? It, because once you get on the right way, once you get on the right track, it is no longer about your ability to navigate. It is simply about your ability to stay on track. It's your ability just, just, just stay on the track. That's it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to say, "Oh, I don't know which turn I have to make." I don't No, 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 no. Just get in the way. Find out the way. Just get in the way. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. Stay in the way by the grace of God. Obey. Be obedient. Submit. Stay submitted. Walk by faith. Continue to walk by faith. Be humble. Stay humble. That's it. It's not complicated. But if you stay in that path, here is the guarantee that you will reach the destiny and the destination that God has for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you ignore, I don't have time to take you there. The Bible also says that there are people, in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says there are people who God shows the way and they reject the ways of God. They reject the ways of God. Not because the way is not known. The way is known and yet they choose to reject the way. Yet they choose to reject the way. May that not be any single person under the sound of my voice. Amen. As you walk in the ways of God May the favor of God May the grace of God And may the plan and the purposes of God Be made manifest in every one of your lives And may you know God more than ever before Amen Three quick things regarding your responsibilities Number one Pray that you begin to desire for the things only God can give Pray That you desire for the things that only God can give Number two Pray that you begin to know the ways of God and not just his acts. Don't be satisfied with just getting the job, getting the car, getting the house or getting the visa and all of those things. Don't be satisfied with just knowing the acts of God. Get to the place of knowing the ways of God. And number three, submit to and walk in the ways of God. Submit to and walk in the ways of God. Submit and walk. Submit and walk. Now there are a lot of other ways of God, but these three for today, maybe I'll take time during the fasting prayers to talk about the others. But Let's get started here. Amen. Are you blessed? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word brings light. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that for every single one of us, Lord, that this word will come alive and will bring forth a hundredfold harvest in our lives. And may our lives never be the same. Lord, even as we take time to answer those questions and examine our lives and examine our hearts, I pray that you will continue to speak during this week. And may you receive all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you were blessed by the word today. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your family and friends. If you would like to sow into this ministry, the details are provided in the description. For more information on how to reach us or contact us, do visit our website, www.newcityhyd.in. I will see you again next time. Be blessed.